What's up? Welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. This podcast is meant to give you a personal glimpse into the next era of investors and operators. This week we had on Christopher Martin from Will Ventures. Will is an early stage fund that invests in consumer health and media companies. They're based in New York and Boston. Their entire team is former college athletes and they look to back founders with similar types of backgrounds. In this talk, we discuss successful traits of athletes turned founders, applying skills from different backgrounds, and sectors and opportunities to watch within consumer tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, everybody, welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. We got one of the homies from, from Will Ventures, Chris, in the house. Their team also has a few other friends, someone who I was actually interned with years ago at Morgan Stanley, and another one who's a close friend who's very well respected in the, the New York African-American professional scene. So y'all got you a good little team of ballers and academics and whatnot. And are you crushing it, Chris? How about you maybe say what's up, give us a little bit on your background, and how you guys, where you are today, and we can talk more about the funding and dive more into everything. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you both having me on. And yeah, no, it's a, it's a solid squad over at Will Ventures, man. Um, definitely a pretty robust team in terms of the dynamics we're all bringing to the table. I will say I'm the first non-Harvard athlete on the team. So definitely uh, <laughs> happy we're diversifying a little bit. Yeah, we'll continue <laughs> to do that as we go out. <laughs> but yeah, no, happy to provide a little bit of just kind of, you know, background um, well, I, I grew up in a military family. My parents had me at a, a pretty young age. So my dad enlisted in the Marine Corps right out of high school. I and mean, then was on active duty for over 20 years and retired when I was a sophomore in college. I and mean, then my mom um, worked in a variety of administrative and trade-related roles in the healthcare space. Um, was a pharmacy tech for a while, now works as a multi-specialty clinic admin. Again, typical you know, military family style. We bounced around every two to four years, but spent most of my time growing up in Virginia and North Carolina. Graduated from Chantilly High School in Northern Virginia before attending Penn, where I played football. Was an accounting concentration in Wharton's undergraduate program. So, and yeah, at a high level, man, I'm you know pretty proud to be a first generation college graduate, and feel super fortunate to have found success on and off the football field in high school, and you know leverage that and earn that opportunity to play at Penn. And then after graduation, I actually began my career in enlisted derivative sales and trading at at Jefferies. So the complete opposite end of the spectrum versus early stage venture capital. <laughs> we'll get into that whole transition later, but yeah, I was trading primarily futures and options on interest rate products. So you know, U.S. Treasury security underlyings, euro dollar futures and options, swaps, swaps, international sovereign debt, like all that good stuff. And then I, I got an opportunity to join. Morgan Stanley on a very similar but more cross-asset underlying futures and options desk. And then after that, I made my initial move into the private markets realm at a PE back scale up um, in the fintech space, primarily selling enterprise financial software and information services. Um, the company was called IPRIO. It was acquired by IHS Market back in August of 2018 for about $1.86 billion. And then coincidentally, IHS Market is now actually going through merger processes with S&P Global. 
so yeah, a lot of MA activity on, on that one there. And again, that was all before I actually stepped into venture proper. So after that experience, I accepted an opportunity to join the investment team at, at Truebridge Capital Partners, where I spent two years as an associate, largely sourcing and analyzing investment opportunities in both venture capital funds, as well as mid and late stage technology and tech-enabled startups, Series B and later primarily. And, I, and then again, that was before I accepted the offer to join Will Ventures, where we primarily um, invest in early stage seed and Series A consumer media, entertainment, and health and human performance technology startups. And yeah, jumped on as their first principal just over four months ago. And so yeah, you know, happy to be in, in early stage, definitely you know, where my passion lies in terms of you know, helping entrepreneurs scale their visions. So... <clears throat> Dude, I really love you all's fun. I also love the focus on not being a quote-unquote sports tech fund, even though it's in your DNA and like the sports warrior mentality and founders is like kind of kind of something that's in you all's ethos. Would love it if you all could talk a bit more about, or not you all, but you could talk a little bit more about the fund itself. Like I saw that you all were oversubscribed, closed the fund, crushed it. What's the word, man? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So at, at a high level, we're research-backed, thesis-driven, early-stage venture capital firm, backed by multiple university endowments, as well as a number of professional sports teams, owners, some other professional investors and entrepreneurs and athletes as well. And as you highlighted, man, you know, we believe that sports and athletics are, you know, strong proving ground for adjacent market opportunities across technology industry verticals. Um, so much broader scope, you know, than just, you know, what you would think of in terms of like super niche sports tech. You know, we have a team of competitors and we're looking to help entrepreneurs capitalize on, you know, those opportunities. And, you know, as a principal for an emerging manager, I obviously wear many hats, focus largely on the sourcing and investing aspects, managing our deal flow pipeline, enhancing our, you know, thematic research and market mapping notions and building out underwriting models, all, all that good and fun stuff. We generally invest in, in technology startups, again, across consumer health, wellness, fitness, all of those underlying industry verticals I touched upon earlier. And again, just to, to emphasize, um, you know, our original thesis and, and that anchor, right, is that sports are a great proving ground for those adjacent market opportunities. So we were constantly just iterating in terms of how we can get exposure to you know, some of the more massive or, or fast growing markets where athletics and sports or, you know, athletes in general can be pivotal, let's say, to you know, the initial go-to-market strategy as companies are looking to establish product market fit. Or for some human performance companies, athletes can often be um, great early adopters, just given how their day-to-day -day life and professional dynamics and then their incentives are aligned to test out some of these novel technologies. And from more of a portfolio construction standpoint, um, in terms of the fund, so fund one was a $55 million fund, um, primarily seed focused. 19 initial checks were written, 17 of those were proper seed checks. Check sizes range between you know one and three million on the seed side. We had two exceptions. Um, we wrote one Series A initial check and one Series B initial check. But outside of that, again, super concentrated portfolio construction strategy, targeting low double digit ownership when we can get it. But we try to be tactically flexible around that, especially in terms of how we go out and think about deploying reserves. Right, we start out reserving one to one, 50-50, but obviously given concentrated portfolio construction dynamics and power law dynamics in the venture world, we obviously will end up following on into our strongest companies as those follow-on round dynamics play out. This company I'm hoping ends up being a really strong company. Let's go. Fit Biomics. 
I've been looking at all these like personalized vitamin and microbiome codes. And that's the one that takes like effectively professional athlete microbiomes and then gives you like a probiotic to help your gut or your gut uh, microbiome system become more similar to the those of, I guess, your team. <laughs> I guess me and Clay too, because we're like pretty fit, tall people, whatever you want to like call it, who play like at D1 or serious levels. But I think that's super dope. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, the, the Fit by Amos is a great one. Carolina and, and Jonathan, the founders there, um, doing great work. Yeah, and again, don't get me wrong. I mean, that's the cool part about our thematic and thesis-driven approach, right? You've kind of heard a little bit about my background. While, um, and, and just to kind of add on to that, when I was at Truebridge, it's a pretty, you know, kind of generalist investment capacity across like mid to late stage directs on that side of the business. But I spent most of my time focusing on software businesses, SaaS, you know, past models, as well as marketplace businesses, given kind of my background in trading. I jump into to Will Ventures and while we do have a, a number of marketplace businesses and software businesses, or even software leveraging human in the loop business models, things like Fit Biomics, again, microbiome biotechnology company. That's far from my bread and butter, something that we obviously have expertise across the team um, to both source and, and make investments like that. And just, it, it gives you an example of kind of how wide the span of our initially sort of anchor thesis can reach. So now it's a good, good shout out, man. Yeah. Well, another one, because I did Peloton and Mirror is you all as well as called light boxer. That's a yeah. hit, bro. And it's a SaaS model and it's in your wheelhouse. Um, exactly, exactly. And that's that's also, again, tangential to that. Software and even hardware leveraging that human in the loop model, right? Yeah. Knowing y'all got a discount at Play 72, we had we had mirror discounts for all our team. So if y'all got one, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll check into it, man, for sure, for sure. <laughs> You're one of the only people I know who's done derivative trading prior to this space. I, one other person, Julia, who works with me at the Logger office, and the way that people like you two see the world and investing is like the world you've lived in in the past make this seem relatively easy. And of course, it's, there's nuance to it, but uh, very curious how you've seen those skill sets translate into the venture world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And just for, I guess, for additional listener context. So as a listed derivatives trader on the sell side, you know, I was advising institutional and corporate clients on global cross-asset futures and options trading strategies, um, executing those strategies, as well as originating and, and marketing you know, quantitative derivatives content you know, around those strategies and providing just broader you know, macroeconomic and you know, even technical analysis and covering, again, primarily hedge funds in, in my seat across like discretionary macro equity, long, short, event-driven, all that. And as well as some quantitative asset managers, systematic macro, CTAs, some multi-strategy firms. And again, it's super easy to say. And I mean, I, you know, obviously recognized it as I was trying to, you know, sort of pivot careers. You cannot get as far away from early stage venture capital as cross-asset listed derivative sales and trading while still being in, in finance. But that doesn't mean that there aren't relevant and, and transferable you know, skills, both on the soft skill side and as well as on, on the more quantitative end of things. So like, for example, one, I mean, I learned how to grind and you know, scale and manage a high growth marketplace business. Uh, I was in a unique situation where when I joined Morgan Stanley, the future, futures and listed derivatives trading business historically you know, wasn't one that was 
allocated a heavy amount of resources. So, I mean, we were outside of the top five or even outside of the top 10 in league tables in terms of listed derivatives execution when I joined. Um, we were able to climb all the way you know, up into the top three by the time I um, left and, and made my transition over to IPO. So again, you know, while listed derivatives is a lower gross margin business, we were one of the higher growth desks on the trading floor. So again, just being in a kind of that hyper growth environment as we were scaling is something that's definitely relevant to the world of venture. And then in terms of the grinding element, man, futures trade 24-5. So, you know, that's an added element that not a lot of other products, you know, have. And it, it, it's that element, you know, of just having to be like constantly on, right? You know, as opposed to, let's say if you're just, you know, cash, you know, equity trading, yeah, you know, early, maybe you stay a little late, but markets open and they close. Futures do not. I mean, we had to, we were staffed. I traded overnight Brexit, overnight 2016 election. When volumes are super heavy and volatilities kind of going, we have to staff New York, London, and, you know, Hong Kong desk simultaneously. So again, just kind of having, getting to see business being, you know, built, especially again, a marketplace business in a high growth capacity, definitely something that was super useful in terms of the broader experience and translating that to venture. I also gained a deeper appreciation for just like strategic planning and streamlining workflow processes in general. It's super important when you're, uh, you're trading. I mean, you got to have tools and frameworks to protect yourself and to prevent six and seven figure errors from happening. And those do happen. I like um, those are small errors for y'all. Right. It's kind of crazy. It's like check sizes now were errors back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild, man. It's wild. But then, and then you, you kind of highlighted at the beginning as well. Another aspect is that top-down, you know, macro analysis and, and market, you know, sizing reps that you get in that world when you're trading equity index products, energy, you know, futures, ags, short-term interest rates, international sovereign debt, pairing those up, trading relative value across underlying, you know, asset classes, you get used to thinking through secular drivers at a high level and, and how those cross cut with more idiosyncratic drivers of asset prices. And yeah, I think in a nutshell, I mean, that's a lot to transfer over, right? I feel like people in sales and trading get a bad rep in terms of like their, the transferability of their other skill set thereafter. So hopefully I, I continue to prove that wrong. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Let's maybe in terms of proving it wrong, we talk a little bit more about some of the areas and themes that you love to focus on that well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think we, we kind of touched upon just like at a high level, the industry verticals that we end up touching in the adjacencies that we believe can be captured under our thematic focus. But at the end of the day, we want to invest where we you know, believe we can add value. We generally add value through, you know, one, our differentiated network, so relationships to source talent um, and expertise across sports, tech, consumer, and et cetera, as well as just having like deep subject matter expertise and leveraging our proprietary research as well as industry expert relationships to provide access to obviously to that network for our portfolio companies, whether it's for pilots, partnerships, or even hopefully acquisition one day in terms of putting folks in touch with corporate acquirers and MA teams. And these value-added dynamics are obviously in addition to providing help with business development and uh, marketing and fundraising generally, right? So given that kind of value-add angle, right, we'll spend a lot of time in the, again, consumer fitness and human performance realm. And that generally includes, again, things like you know, health, nutrition, mindfulness, um, and fitness and training, right? On the other side, it's kind of that media entertainment and, and community bucket that includes things like 
gaming, esports, streaming, social media, digital content. And again, it, it, to kind of provide a little bit more context, prior to starting Will Ventures, our two co-founding partners, Brian Riley and Isaiah Kasovensky, were a part of the founding team at the Sports Innovation Lab. Are you guys familiar with the Sports Innovation Lab up in Boston at all? You, you got to break it down for everybody, bud. <laughs> so uh, Sports Innovation Lab, put it simply, um, is, is like a Pitchbrook research offering for consumer you know, health and, and media um, technologies insofar as how they're relevant um, to the world of sports and athletics. So essentially, they're helping major companies and sports leagues think through their tech and M&A roadmaps. And that one helped Brian Isaiah crystallize the original thesis for Will Ventures. And, and we obviously also use that, that expertise to inform our investing and add value to our portfolio of startups. And so hopefully that provides a little additional context in terms of why we play in the areas that we play in. Okay. And then I'm also actually, um, the one, one thing that I'll, I'll add to that is, so that's kind of like the straightforward, like, okay, where will Avengers plays part of the reason that, that I was brought in, in terms of helping build out our research motion is to think about some areas that may be a little less obvious in attempting to source investment opportunities in, again, large markets that may be less obvious. So for an example, fintech adjacencies. It's at, at first glance, it's okay, how will ventures get fintech exposure, giving our thematic focus, right? And, it, and don't get me wrong, I mean, we, in fund one, I mean, I, I don't, there's nothing that is kind of straight down the fairway fintech. I mean, you could make an argument for things like Jock Market, uh, which is a daily fantasy sports provider that's building a stock market for professional athletes. It's not really fintech, but it's leveraging a model that has like a pseudo fintech engagement element, if that makes sense. And then we're also invested in Players Health, an insurance technology company that's essentially you know, trying to reimagine the antiquated sports and fitness insurance market through both proprietary data and building out a unique risk management platform. But again, it's not, you know, not as straight down the fairway in terms of like financial technology opportunities. So right now I'm trying to build out a research campaign to find, let's say, opportunities at the intersection of fintech um, and health tech, solutions aligning financial and physical health incentives, right? There's got to be some stuff out there. there uh, there's also a play for embedded fintech. Like you all have like yep. one place for like trips and stuff. You can embed financing into those. And there's a, a ton of stuff that you can, that you all might be able to impact as investors. So you, you probably aren't as far as if you think, bro, or as far as if you That's think. what I'm trying to tell the team. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> what was but that? that or something like that, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Literally. Exactly. That could be a good embedded finance play. We'll have to. We'll have to wrap on uh, on this stuff. I was like, I'm literally jotting down notes as Tyler speaking. <laughs> yeah, dude. Me and Clay are like Clay did a ton of fintech at his old firm, both of his old firms, and then same here. Like I helped build out Point Seventy Two's fintech on. So we could we could wrap all day. Absolutely, man. I I, I will take you up on that. <laughs> but yo, so you all recently announced. A pretty cool partnership. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Happy to dive into that. I'm not gonna kind of destroy all the other folks who say they got clout and plug. I mean, really <laughs> no, so no, we. <laughs> that's no, that's well said. That's well said. <laughs> but no, yeah, we. So we announced first of its kind, exclusive partnership between our team and and one team partners. And for those who aren't familiar with one team partners, it's a sports company that represents the rights of world-class athletes, specifically the 4,000 plus professional athletes that one team represents across the 
NFL Players Association, MLB Players Association, Major League Soccer's Players Association, and as well as the Players Associations for the WNBA, U.S. Rugby, and the Women's National Team. So again, it's you, you can, at a high level, see how that can be accretive from a number of different angles. But essentially, we believe that it's essentially generating a powerful new model of strategic value creation in the venture capital space. I mean, they're capabilities in terms of spanning licensing, athlete marketing, digital marketing, um, content and media, and more. We're super proud, again, to call them our official partner and look forward to the chapter ahead. It's just a a great opportunity, right, to infuse early stage startups with robust athlete collaboration, right? And in addition, I mean, it's a strategic alliance where one team will also provide educational resources, access, and prospective business opportunities across the spectrum. So yeah, we're excited about that one, man. Man, no, I think that's a, a pure play example of why you need the warden in Harvard education mixed with the understanding of athletes, like understanding rights, plus understanding like the cultural shift right now of athletes actually wanting to figure out how to get in the tank, get equity, and like hitting that at scale. But that was a solid play, bro. I got to give y'all credit for that. Hey, hats off to... <laughs> Brian, I, Isaiah, Kirby, and Lex on, on that one. I just joined four months ago. That that one was in the works, so I got to give them a shout out on that. Yeah, I feel it. All right, so let's see. Let's talk about how do people get money from you? How do you evaluate teams at the C stage? And what are some of the things that make former athletes worth betting on? Do you only invest in former athletes? What's the word? Like, no, yeah, that's a great question. Great question. We, we do not only invest in, in former athletes, but that is not to downplay the things that make former athletes worth betting on in, in those capacities, or even, again, bringing in, in terms of our value-add dynamics and angles that I've, I've outlined. But I guess to, to answer the question specifically, in terms of just like, what are some things that make former athletes well worth betting on? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is coachability, right? That ability to collaborate efficiently handle and harness feedback, climb learning curves quickly, execute with tactical flexibility, and just I am broadly being able to handle adversity and, and, and bounce back for fail, from failures. Something that's super important in, in anyone, let alone um, an, an entrepreneur trying to build out a, and scale a solution at the earliest stages. I think second, I mean, just the ability to compete right? And be super self-motivated, especially when the bullets are flying and or when no one's watching um, on the converse end of that. Competitive environments require not only deep preparation, but engagement and oftentimes deep reflection on what happened. And that process can consistently yield key insights and novel solutions. Lessons gleaned from competition and competitive arenas can be harnessed um, to mold not only effective leaders, but professionals broadly, right? In a compounding way over time, especially. And I I mean, those two things alone make former athletes worth betting on, not only in a venture investment capacity, but for hiring generally. And honestly, this is probably a good question to plug in that whole element, you know, uh, of the power of human will and why we're named Will Ventures. When the pressure's on, athletes, again, have that ability to, you know, leverage the power of human will, you know, to reach previously unfathomed outcomes. We believe we have a team of competitors that, again, you know, is looking to help entrepreneurs capitalize on market opportunities and scale their visions against the odds. And we're super big believers in the power of human will. As a team, we 
one from you know an individual and personal standpoint come from you know humble beginnings Isaiah and Brian in particular also first you know generation um, college graduates and have very 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 deep operating experience um, prior to the sports innovation lab they worked at a wearables company called MC10 Brian was working in product Isaiah was working in business development they were able to raise a significant amount of venture capital and see um, you know that company through an exit as well so they know what it's like in, in the trenches from both a literal you know having, you know, played sports and literally been in the trenches, both in the Ivy League and in the NFL, in the case of Isaiah, but also being in the trenches of trying to establish product market fit and then scale that product market fit out. So yeah, man, again, big believers in the power of human will. And that probably ties well back into how we leverage sports and athletics as our value add angle and our MO. Our vision for the firm is much grander than that. I feel it, man. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this evolves over the next five, 10 years. As am I. <laughs> you, you, you dreaming it up right now. You got to, one day I'm going to get the, the roadmap documents, sneak in. <laughs> but it's fascinating. I guess I'd like to take a moment to let you speak on anything you want, ask any questions, and then we can get Clay to come in. How'd that feel to you? What, you got anything on your mind that we might have left out or any questions you want to ask us? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, nothing on my end or the Will Ventures end. I mean, I think we, we did a decent job of, of covering kind of most of, of what I had on tap. I'd, I'd definitely like to throw a couple of questions, you know, you guys' way, if that's cool. Yeah, do it. Anything in the world, whether it be professional, personal, spiritual, financial, whatever, other than like our Bitcoin wallet addresses and whatnot. <laughs> I was about to say what them pockets do. No, no. I'm honestly, I'm curious. How did um, you know you and Clay link up? What's the backstory, just in terms of you know that dynamic? Dude, LinkedIn. I think I don't know. Just hit it off, and then we're like, "Yo, we could probably build some dope things together." And ever since then, it's been a, it's been an experience of trying to make a whole bunch of junior people's pockets bigger and ourselves as well. Absolutely, man. I love that. I love, I love what you guys are building. Definitely uh, proud to be a part of the community now and, and obviously appreciate you guys carving out the time to, to chat with me today. I think if there's any other high level questions that I, I had for you guys, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to dig in too deep the, the Bitcoin wallet addresses or anything along those lines, but. Um, I mean, if you ask it, be bold, ask. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Come correct if, if you're going to be bold. I'm yours. You can answer the next question though. But no, no, no. I think I'm all set. Cool. Well, with that, how about, uh, Clay, you kick us off with this speed round. Yeah, let's do it. So, Chris, we got these five questions at the end. Each of these are meant to be answered in two sentences or less. We're not good at actually hitting that threshold, but we try to give it anyway. First one we got is what is a recommendation you hear regularly that you think is bad advice? One that I think is, it's incomplete advice. So a little, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit on this, but the saying you miss 100% of the, the shots you don't take, I, I'm all for the, the YOLO, you only get one life, there are only 24 hours in a day type of vibe. And by all means, you definitely need to pursue opportunities. But I think that shot selection is just as important as volume. <laughs> Obviously, don't be afraid to shoot your shot, but don't forget to shoot your shots wisely and with intention. And you weren't a Harvard basketball player? <laughs> it does sound like that. Um, Next one in the last year, what new belief, behavior, habit has most improved your life? Shameless plug warning. I have to say, focus breathing exercises. Shameless plug for our, our portfolio company, Breathwork. 
essentially they're leveraging the same exercises used by Navy SEAL psychologists, high-performance athletes, yoga practitioners to offer guided, guided breathing work. And honestly, I'm one of those people who meditation at first, just I couldn't get through the block of, oh, I'm just sitting here and focusing my efforts you know, on breathing exercises and having that kind of toolbox definitely helped me onboard into the meditation lifestyle more consistently. So shameless plug, but it's, it's real. <laughs> yeah. You have a routine that you do every morning? Why? Well, so I definitely try a, a sort of a, like a rise and shine breathing exercise every morning. But after that, it's super ad hoc. Like, for example, you, I don't know if you guys have gotten the, the tell from this. I'm super introverted. I get very, very nervous before public speaking or anything tangential to that, like this podcast. <laughs> so I had a little breathing <laughs> exercise before jumping on with you guys. So just kind of help, help calm me down. Yeah, by the way, do you also use future? So that, so future, that's, I'm actually glad you asked that. I currently do not use future, but I am thinking about using future. I can, for a little context, I actually compete. Talk about rap. What's that again? I say we're talking about the rapper, of course. Oh, yeah. But no, yeah, I, I compete on an amateur decathlon tour. And I'm actually, I think that future could be a, a great complimentary, just like a, aspect of my like training regimen ahead of the next competition. I feel like I've just hit a bit of a, a bit of a ceiling in terms of where I've placed at different competitions and where some of my times and stuff like that are. So I think, again, adding that kind of human in the loop element without, you know, having to actually have a, a personal trainer with me in person could be beneficial. So it's it just it goes to show, right? I mean, anything from there are Olympic athletes that leverage future all the way down to, you know, again, just folks, you know, that are grinding 70, 80 hours a week and looking to just squeeze workouts in when they can. So again, another shameless plug. <laughs> Wait, is this future.co? Yes. Yep. Cool. I'm looking at it right now. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I've been trying to think of like, how do I have a trainer with me in multiple countries and cities? Future is, is it? Uh, <laughs> I, could, I could fly my homie out from Playa del Carmen or I could get future. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Do they have good trainers? Like, Actually, like sometimes I get like, I've played around with a few and then I get so-so mm. trainers. It's actually, that's actually the best part of, of it is, so the trainers actually like work for future. And that's kind of how they hacked away at the supply side is actually, again, having trainers staffed and building out an education component around how to best interact in, in this model with their clients and, and leveraging the team of coaches um, and, and I guess the various angles of expertise that they may have um, to provide the best services to all underlying users of future. So yeah, it's like I said, it's a very unique model, very strong in engagement and then just product market fit dynamics. Yeah. You know, one piece of feedback for the team, they ask you what your needs or uh, interests are and it ain't nowhere on there where they like get shredded, get carved up, bro. That's what I'm trying to be on. <laughs> Internal health. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You need some for, for us just looking for the- Aesthetic uplift, that's, that's a category. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, next one here. Aside from having to say no all the time, what's the worst part about venture? Honestly, the lack of diversity. It's, it's obviously, I will caveat that it's been encouraging since I've jumped into the venture ecosystem to see the work of organizations, Black VC, um, All Rays, and you know, what they've done to arm underrepresented founders you know, and funders you know, with access, guidance, and support broadly. But I definitely 
think there's much more work to be done. I look forward to doing our part. We'll venture to mitigate that imbalance and build what we aim to be an inclusive and enduring firm. I feel it. I feel it. Next one, best piece of advice for junior VCs or those aspiring to break into venture? Honestly, just be intentional and, and deliberate as you're you know, pursuing opportunities and, and networking in the ecosystem. It kind of ties back into what I mentioned about shooting shots wisely. That, that simple idea of just you know, being intentional and deliberate as you go about doing what you're doing and looking to make the pivot that you're looking to make, I think was the difference maker for me as I you know, tried to engineer a, a career pivot in my late 20s. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I totally agree. I think we've gotten uh, similar feedback from a couple other guests. Let's see, last one here. Who's a mentor of yours that you want to give credit to? I'm gonna, for this one, I'm going to have to say um, Alex Grinfeld um, over at Morgan Stanley. So Alex um, is an executive director that runs, he actually has kind of a dual hat role. He runs the New York Futures team, but is also the product manager for the futures and listed derivatives, you know, product generally. So working with like the financial engineering team and, and programmers to build out our suite of algorithms that are both sold, you know, to clients and deployed by the futures traders internally. I definitely credit him for one, um, allowing me to see that side of the business while I was in sales and trading. I think that played a large role in not only harvesting my passion for, you know, technology, but seeing how I could leverage that experience to then gain the opportunity at IPRIO in fintech and then ultimately pivot into venture capital. He's also a very, very close friend um, that I, I credit for, again, being a mentor in, in multiple capacities, not just the, the professional lane. Again, managing a career pivot is, is something I don't think um, you can do you know, alone. It's, it's, it's almost impossible and without folks like Alex Grinfeld. It would have been that much more difficult, if not damn near impossible. So appreciate you, Alex. <laughs> we have one more. Who do you want to see on this podcast? Like, we want this to be for our people, by our people. So tell us who the next guest should be and let's make it happen. You know what? I'm going to, this is going to be, it's going to sound like a little bit of a cop out, but I'll, I, I want to get Maddie on here, Clay. I'm going to, I'm going to work. We'll get Maddie on here. Yeah. Um, she's she's the one. I mean, she's the reason I'm on here now. So shout yeah. out to Maddie. Return Appreciate the favor. The Gotta get her on. We've well, been hunting her down for a while now. Well, we'll try. I'll try to figure it out. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. Once again, I, I appreciate you both carving out the time. I'm, I'm sure we'll be, everyone's going to be jamming and busy in December, but we'd definitely like to follow up with each of you individually and, and chat, whether it's on this side or the other side of the new year. Once again, I appreciate you guys carving out time and, and just being flexible. Yeah, dude. 100%. Appreciate you coming on, too. Enjoy uh, the rest of the day and week, fellas, and we'll chat soon. Sorry, right, man. Talk to you. Huge thanks again to Chris for coming on this week. We hope that each of you are able to pick up something valuable from this talk. If you're looking to get in touch with Chris, we've linked his social info in the description below. And if you're a Confluence member, you can also find his member info within the Confluence BC directory. For next steps, if each of you have not submitted your info to become a member yet you can do that through our website at www.confluence.bc and also if you want to become a subscriber to the newsletter we offer a ton of free resources in there each and every week meant to help you become better at your individual roles 
you can subscribe there at www.confluence.substack.com. Hope that helps. Hope to hear from you all soon.